Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness! What? Felicia? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Elmo's horny! Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan, I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius, more well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. Oh, yeah. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. I am a bottom. Hello? Am I on the air? I am a bottom some of the time. And by some, I mean all 85 to 90%. Um, This is Adam Sank. You're listening to The Adam Sank Show. Today is Sunday, January 14th. Uh, We are not live. We are pre-recorded and pre-coming. Uh, but you can still tweet about us using hashtag ass. You can email me anytime you want at Adam at AdamSank.com. Please like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page. The uh, The number of likes is growing steadily and I want more. Uh, obviously, don't call in because we're not live. But uh, but you can listen and enjoy and you can listen to old episodes of the ass um, back from when we started in 2016. I'm slowly uploading them one by one to iTunes. Um, currently, we are up to episode 10 or 11, and I'm happy to report that The Adam Sank Show has been downloaded on iTunes over 400 times, Ooh. which is pretty exciting. And that thank you, and that woo you just heard was my charming and talented co-host who loves to eat ass, Ryan Frostig. Come on, everyone. Hi. I'm back. Ryan Frostig, of course, devastated last week when Chris Harder told us that rimming is not on camera is not fun. Oh God, I'd still do it. But I mean, imagine how frustrating that is because the ass is right there. Your know, tongue is a you millimeter away, in it. but you can't really can't get up really in it because it. it doesn't look good on camera. Um, but anyway, uh, Ryan is here. JB, our associate producer, is here. Katie, the big boss, is here. And uh, we have a fabulous show today because we have a legend. We coming do. into the studio. An icon. He, she is a legend. He is John Epperson, the multi-talented John Epperson, who has done so many incredible things throughout his career, but he is best known for his alter ego, Lipsinka. He is Lipsinka, Come on, Lipsinka. Yes. Truly one of the, the greatest um, female impersonators of all time, even though John doesn't like the term female impersonator or drag queen, he regards Lipsinka as her own person. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, God, if you've never seen Lipsinka and, and you're gay, you need to fucking get on the YouTube immediately yeah. because really some of the most legendary um, lip syncing and drag performers of all time. And, and he'll be in studio to talk about um, his career and a, a film series that he's co-curating at the Museum of Modern Art here in New York City. So that is exciting. Uh, in the meantime... We have lots of news to catch up on. Let's get into it. And some of this is stuff uh, that happened, again, during that month that we were off. I've been stockpiling ass news, Ryan. Save it up. Everything goes into the ass. Always. And we're going to start with an Aaron Carter update. Ugh, her again. (laughs) Once again, I have a compulsion to discuss Aaron Carter all the time on this show. I can't name a single song by him, but... uh, can Aaron's, you? Well, Aaron's party was the album of my of my childhood. You used to masturbate to that. Oh hell yes! <laughs> but to remind everyone, 2017 was a crazy year for Aaron Carter. In early August of that year, he came out as bi. The next day, his girlfriend dumped him. Then he performed at a gay bar in Brandon, Florida. He performed at Hamburger Mary's down there. Um, Then uh, his social media went dark. Then he said he wasn't really bi. He just had an experience when he was 17 with a guy, but now he wants to pursue relationships with women. Then he had an HIV test on the air of this show, The Doctors, and it was negative. Then he went to rehab. Uh, At that point, he was down to 115 pounds, and he's like six six feet tall or six one. He was like basically dying. 
Um, he beefed up to a very healthy and beautiful 160 pounds, took before and after pictures for his Instagram. And now he's landed on a, uh, a gay podcast. It's called the LGBTQ&A podcast, which is hosted by a guy named Jeffrey Masters and is apparently quite popular. You're a little salty about it. I mean, I think we should have more listeners. But sure. listen. Come on over to the Adam Think Show. Er, thank you. But, uh, you know, and, and may we remind you, speaking of gay podcasts, that Derek and Romaine are the 2017 winners. Ow, ow. For the LGBTQ podcast category. Come through. They are the number one show. But anyway, this other podcast uh, had Aaron Carter. He came on and they asked him about his bisexuality. He said he was still confused about it. He said, quote, I definitely embrace my bisexuality, but it's still new to me. I just started talking about it. I have my confusions and I'm still learning about the community. So that's what made news, right? That was all over the gay blogs and the gay websites. It's like Aaron Carter says he's confused about bisexuality. Well, I listened to the whole fucking interview and I think they missed out on the real news. Take a listen to this outlet. I have to ask at one point you said that you were not interested in dating a guy. Do you still feel like that? No, no, I don't feel like that. What changed? Um, my crazy mind. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't know. I'm just uh, still confused about it. I don't know. Confused about bisexuality? Bisexuality, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I did have a, 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 a relationship with Blake. Ooh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> Do you want me to cut that? <laughs> huh? Do you want me to cut that? No. Okay, great. Um, when I was younger, and um, I don't know. I'm single right now, so I don't know. So, so if I you... don't know what's going to come my way. Like, what you... That's exciting, though, right? Yeah, it is exciting. I mean... Who the fuck is Blake? Who is Blake? And if you need to... Fi- Blake, if you're listening, <laughs> call please him. call us. Actually, oh, you can't. can't call us. Damn it. Just tweet. No, but first of all, if you're the host of a radio show or podcast and your your guest just basically spills the tea about a past relationship, yeah. you offer to cut it? Don't fucking no. cut that shit. Ask Blake who. Get in on it. I'm sorry, Jeffrey, but what kind of journalism is that? Blake who? Who is Blake? Think, Ryan, you're a millennial. Blake. Think about, and Blake. JB, you too. Think about the, the people that were famous around the same time as Aaron Carter. Because the way he said it, he wasn't just like, Blake. like he said it like we would know who it was. Yeah. Could it have been Blake Shelton? That, well, that was my first thought. <laughs> that would be a story. Could it have been Blake Lively? <laughs> I mean, there, I don't. I can't think of any Blakes. I Googled it. So first I Googled just to see if anyone else had picked up on this part of the interview, and no one had. So I don't think anyone listened to it except yeah. for me. Because I'm like, that's the news. Right. That he was basically named whoever his boyfriend was when he was 17. Anyway... I thought that was interesting, and as always, I wish Aaron Carter the best of luck in his exploration of bisexuality. Mm-hmm. Maybe and someday he'll end up here in the studio. I mean, listen, Aaron, if Aaron. you're listening, we my ass is always open to you. <laughs> Hi-oh. Uh, in less, uh, well, in sort of a bummer story, yeah. I'll call it, uh, Dave Chappelle, comedian Dave Chappelle, one of the greatest comedians of all time, certainly one of the greatest living comedians, is under assault by many um, because in his most recent Netflix comedy special he said some shit about Kevin Spacey and Anthony Rapp I actually cut the sound for it but at the last minute I chickened out because it's not that I looked online and there's no video available of it anywhere Mm -hmm. so I actually like took video from the special from Netflix and I was going to give it to JB and Katie to play. But then I thought maybe the reason why it's not out there is because people will get sued if they play part of a Netflix special. That's like a pay special. So I'm just going to paraphrase what he said. He's talking about Kevin Spacey. First, he said, here we are in Los Angeles, the world capital of rape and dick breath. So that's a little homophobic, but it's okay. So then he talks about Kevin Spacey. He says, Kevin Spacey's out here grabbing men by the pussy. I didn't even know that was possible. So far, so good. But then he starts talking about Anthony Rapp being at this house party with Kevin Spacey when he was 14 years old. And he says, I've been to a lot of parties in my day. Never been to a good one that had 14-year-old boys in it. Fine. Yeah. So far, so good. 
The next line, he says, ironically, the kid grew up to be gay anyway, which means Kevin Spacey sniffed that shit out like a truffle pig. <laughs> JB is laughing. Turn your mic up if you're going to laugh. <laughs> truffle I pig. I saw, that, I, saw, sounds... I saw a whole special. I thought that was hilarious. I'm sorry. I just... Then he said, not to victim blame, but it seems like the kind of situation that a gay 14-year-old kid would get himself into. Yikes. I'm still kind of interested in this truffle pig, though. <laughs> well, you consider yourself something of a truffle, truffle pig. pig. Yeah, he ended the bit by saying the saddest part of the whole story is that we never get to know how House of Cards ends, yeah, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> that is kind of funny. I have to say, though, I mean, here's my my preamble is that comedians should be able to say anything. Anyone should be able to say anything. Right. Right. But as I've said before on the show, sometimes there are consequences for what mm -hmm. you say. doesn't mean everyone has to like it. Right. It means you get to say it and then you deal with the shit. If they're shit. I think it's really fucked up, even as a joke, to suggest that a gay 14-year-old is somehow asking for it. Yeah. Or that um, basically what he's doing is pointing out something that is true and very tragic, which is that men who molest boys are really good at knowing which boys to molest. Right. That's like a fact. That's, yes. And <coughs> this is the part of the show where my throat closes down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ryan, make my point for me. Well, I just think that um, Anthony Rapp, uh, you know, at 14, uh, was probably in a very vulnerable place in his life and trying to break into the industry and trying to impress people and wanted to, um, you know, not not ruin anything for him in his career and... I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get that. I, I see how. OK, so I watched a special and I thought, again, I thought it was hilarious. Even hearing it now is still funny to me. I don't agree with victim blaming, but I don't I don't think that that was like his whole. I don't think that that's what Dave's point was. I think he was just trying to make light of uh, what do you think his point was? I, I, I feel like he was trying to make light of a situation that we should be talking about, like because <coughs> I don't think. Anyone, any normal human being would would be opposed to that type of st statement. So I can't see anyone using that type of statement outside outside of a context that would be that that wouldn't be funny. The problem you know, for me is, again, it's a joke, and I understand in comedy you're not supposed to take things literally. Yeah. But the fact is, a 14 year old gay kid may be horny. A 14-year-old gay kid may even want to have sex with an adult man. Like, mm -hmm. that does happen. Yeah. But the way he said it, it sounds almost like a justification. Like, what Spacey did wasn't so bad because the kid was asking for it. Right, right. That's what I take from it, and I think that's a dangerous statement to make, even if you're joking. <coughs> because I think there's a lot of fucked up people out there that are going to hear it and think, all right. Well, it's okay to do it's that. It's okay. I, I, can, I can see where you get that point. I... To me, I, I just don't see it that way. I, I didn't see it that way until you have mentioned it because I see it from your point of view. But I didn't see, like, a justification. I just see, like, oh, well, he's he's making a, he's, he, he's making a joke of a situation that we should all be talking about, a situation in Hollywood that's all that's happening. I don't know. Part of my prejudice against Dave Chappelle is that he never comes across like a particularly nice person. Yeah. I don't I like him. coming from a place of, like... <clears throat> Like, I respect him as a comedian. I think he's a genius. I think he's so funny. His early stuff is some of my favorite stand-up. But I don't know. He does seem kind of homophobic. His last special before this, he said a lot of shit about, about trans people. Yeah. And in this special, he addresses the controversy that that caused. And he basically says, like, being born in a body that you don't want to have is hilarious. And if you can't see that it's hilarious, then that's your problem. And it's like... It's really not hilarious. Yeah, no. For anyone. Not at all. Who's trans. Now, trans people may have a sense of humor mm -hmm. about being trans in the same way that we have a sense of humor about being gay. Right. And we can say shit about being gay, but it doesn't mean it isn't fucking difficult. Right. Growing up gay, it, it wasn't so funny when I was 10 years old and, you know, I was getting my ass getting, kicked right. because everyone was calling me a faggot and, you know, I wasn't like any of the other boys. There was nothing funny about that. Yeah. And I can't imagine... A trans person feels any differently than I did. So right. I don't know. I'm not telling him not to make the joke. I just think it's a shitty joke. I, I always yeah. ask, like, who's the target in the joke, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, the target is Anthony Rapp. Yeah. I can't think of another target. It's right. certainly not Kevin Spacey. No, it's Anthony Rapp. 
he's kind of patting Kevin Spacey on the back. All right, Ryan, I'm going to have you do this because I literally can't speak. I need to clear my throat. This is uh, on Logo's website. They had the 12 gays that you meet at the gym. And I thought this was very accurate and wanted to uh, to just quickly go through these. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay. So the first one, <coughs> the guy who's like always there. This is someone who is friends with the trainers and he's just there at the gym, in the locker room, on the floor, doing all the things, but he will not look at you, he will not talk to you, and if you're standing near him when he's doing his sets, he will throw you some serious shade. There's also the guy who is blow-drying his pubes in the locker room, which... I've never personally done, felt the need to do, but I mean... I mean, who blow dries pubes? I, I thought you just like take a towel and you just, just dry them. Air yeah. dry. That's all or, you need. Or air dry if you're What's home? with all the fuss? Well, it's all the fancy shit. It was yeah. the electricity. It's extra. It's extra. extra. We don't need it. Uh, the guy who hits grinder between every set, <laughs> which like at my gym, I don't even have reception. I don't have like, there's no Wi-Fi. There's nothing. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just at the wrong gym, but... I mean, if my thing is, why are you why are you on grind? You're supposed to be at the gym working out. Like, I'm back you- now. Thank you for covering. Yeah, I I um I actually have a guy at my gym who does this, and we don't get good Wi-Fi at my gym, but he does get regular reception. Mm-hmm. And seriously, he sits on the equipment, not working out on just on like grinder and scruff. Yeah, it's like constant. Um, then there's the dancing treadmill guy. <laughs> Who and we've all seen this guy. He's you know he's doing the treadmill, but he's doing like tricks, right? Leaping and twisting, and you know there's all kinds of shit. Finger drumming and sometimes bursting into song, which I have been known to do. At the I've gym. been guilty of myself, and I get very angry looks from people. Um, then, and I th- think this is Ryan's favorite guy at the gym, the shredded older guy. Oh yeah. Now there's a picture on the logo website of like this guy who looks to be about sixty, but has an amazing body. Yeah, there are I'm there are those it. guys. Um, it says it's easy to count this guy out, but he will crush you. Mm, then I love that. this next type, I wouldn't know anything about. It's the steam room cruiser. <laughs> yeah, that is just totally not anything that you would ever get involved with. <coughs> you've met him, maybe you've been him. He sits maybe legs spread, lingering silently like a spider, waiting for its prey to get caught in his web. Then there's the guy just chilling in the locker room, which is. Almost the same. They can be the same, but sometimes it'll be like a straight guy who's just like reading the paper or like on his phone and just like, you're like, what are you doing? Knitting. I've seen people eat in the locker room and I'm like, that's not an appropriate place to eat unless it's, you know, dick. Dick. <laughs> or us. Then there's the abnormally sweaty guy. Oh, that, that you can relate be, to that a little yeah. bit. Although I don't know when the last time I really sweat that much at the gym. I usually just walk around in circles and touch things like, oh. I sweat quite a bit when I do my elliptical. Yeah. Uh, And uh, that's actually why I go to the gym. I go to cruise the locker room and to get as sweaty as possible. I sweat at spin, like when I take a spin class. Thank you, JB. Yes. By the way, um, we have people that have come into the studio. If you guys want, you can put your headphones on so you can listen along with us. Um, Then there is the spot me bra guy. Bro. Hey, bro, can you spot me? You know, I feel like there was more of that when I was younger. When yeah. I would go to like New York Sports Club, there was always some big straight guy that was like, Goose bought me? And like, it was terrifying yeah. for me because yeah. I had to hold, like, basically hold the weight if he dropped it. And right. I couldn't fucking hold this much weight. I hate that. Don't spot I'm yourself. I'm usually never asked to do that because I don't appear to be someone that would. Uh... You think I do? I, 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 mean, I would ask you before I'd ask me. You're at least young. Well, that's true. Then there's the guy who's rocking a Luke. Mm, as Ryan calls it L-E-W-K this is the kind of guy who's got a matching Y3 shirt, socks and sweatband he brings his own Alexander Wang towel he's got a different pair of neon Nike running shoes every day of the week yeah, this is the opposite of me you can say that again you have no Luke I I wear (laughs) like ripped up, dirty like armpit stay, I don't yeah I don't care. I don't care. Either. I mean, and then I see guys with their get, their hair's done. They've got hair gel. Yeah. They some of them wear makeup. It's crazy. I mean, I appreciate you know serving some fashion, <laughs> but being fashionable. I don't know if it's uh, necessary at the gym. Um, then there's the uh, the weight tosser. 
who gives zero fucks for you or your safety. He just oh throws God. those fucking throws heavy barbells. So dangerous. I hate him. There's actually a lunk alarm at Planet Fitness. Oh, yeah. When someone does yeah, that, yeah, they yeah. sound the alarm. And finally, and I've never seen this guy. I think they just made this up. It's the guy with no shoes. Um, That's, I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. Also, how can they not have the moaner? Oh, yeah. The, oh, oh, oh. Sometimes that's me. Yeah, I try actually, not to. I remember working out with you once and you were being I a, was little, moaning. a little extra about that. Mm. Oh, well. Say <laughs> lovey. I, I honestly try not to do it because I think it's annoying. Um, as is singing. I'm more likely to sing at the yeah. gym with my headphones on than I am to moan. But like today, I was on my back. I was doing chest. I had right, little right. dumbbells in each. And like it was, it got to be a lot. And at the end, I was kind of like... But I'm not screaming. I think there's a difference between like a, a vocal release and just like screaming. Yeah. Like, you know? So those are the uh, the guys that you find at a gym. I thought that was a cute little article. Um, next up, this happened a few weeks ago, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Eminem gave an interview where he said that he uses Grinder. What? He was being interviewed and he said, since my divorce, I've had a few dates. Nothing's, oh. <laughs> nothing's panned out in a way that I wanted to. Um, make it public dating is just not where i'm at lately he said he's used dating apps to find prospective partners when the journalist uh, this was on vulture.com when the journalist pressed him for details the rapper responded yeah tinder and grinder that is like well everyone went crazy yeah and i got kind of excited because absolutely even though eminem is kind of a homophobic misogynist piece of shit he's also hot as fuck yes yes he is and talented thank you jb i would hit it he can speak. He can whisper sweet nothing to my boy pussy. Just okay. that, oh, come on, ding, ding, ding. come on, boy pussy. <laughs> anyway, in a follow-up statement, though, his rep told Jezebel.com that he wasn't serious. Sure. Quote: I'm confirming that he was joking about using both Tinder and Grinder. He would totally be like a mask for masks. Suck. <laughs> That's Emin- how I feel about that tease. Emin- I know. It's quite a tease. Eminem, of course, was involved in anti-gay controversy in the past. Um, he had He's had some lyrics where he talked about faggots and so forth. And then he duetted with Elton John very famously on television. Right. And that sort of made up for everything. I, I happen to think Eminem is an artist and a poet. And I don't think he, when he's rapping, I don't think his lyrics necessarily express what he's feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm way more offended by Dave Chappelle joking about Anthony Rapp than I am about Same. Eminem's lyrics. I, I think so. I feel... I feel more Eminem is just he just spits bars and just doesn't realize. And he plays saying. different characters. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he plays a thug. Sometimes he plays an asshole. Sometimes he plays, you know. Right. So yeah, he truly is an artist. Now we come to the part of the show where we do stories from my favorite website, Cocktails and Cock Talk. We need a a jingle for that. I know. I'm gonna have to do Cocktails and Cock Talk. Yeah, that's the same thing. So as we've pointed out in the past, Cocktails and Cock Talk, aside from having pictures of dicks and bulges and all kinds of things. They also have these articles where they're like, such and such is a new trend and there's mm-hmm. absolutely no evidence for it. It's just, just some, they're just saying it. Yeah. Uh, but I've, of course I'm addicted to the website and I can't not report it. So their latest, the latest trend according to cocktails and cock talk are something called fellatia hose. Fellatia hose. Can you guess what that is? It is, uh, People, you, you explained it to me before. <laughs> okay, so apparently, pantyhose. No, you're close. There's right. no pantyhose involved, but there are actually a number of gay men who do not identify with either top, bottom, or versatile, but rather side, just oral. I'm a side, which means apparently that they only engage in oral sex, not anal. Mm. Wait, I think uh, we have some tape of them. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> That's the blowjob soundbite? That's the best yes, you could yes, do, JB? Uh, hey, they're not very frequent unless I get it from a port itself. Go on Pornhub. <laughs> anyway, fellatia hose is a label that represents someone at a point in their life when they're likely to be promiscuous, uh, such as going on uh, gay cruises, dark rooms, boy holidays, but they choose to restrict themselves only to oral activity. Being a fellatia hoe as opposed to a regular anal hoe has mm-hmm. a number of benefits. Uh, you don't have to squat over a bathtub with that shower up your butt. You don't have to douche. Sure. 
And I have to say, I've heard the I've heard before mm-hmm. that prior to the 1970s, anal sex among gay men was not that common because. Mm-hmm. Most gay men who had sex with other men did so in like public places, right? There were right. there were rest stops, there were you know outdoor parks and woods. It wasn't really a conducive area to have anal sex, and so it would just be like a quick blow blow and go, yeah, and you were done. And so anal sex sort of came of age right. in the seventies, and suddenly like everyone started butt fucking. But I've met people over the years who have said that it's not their thing, and I have said before. That while I like to do everything, if all I could do for the rest of my life was oral sex, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I'm a, I am think I'm a fellatio ho. All right. Or is it fellatio ho? I can't, I don't, I don't I know. I think fellatio ho sounds better. Mm. Bye, fellatio ho. I don't know. I, I need I need some penetration. You like everything. I like and it all. And you really like the, the penetration. Yeah. I like, I like loads. Wow. Ryan. Getting very <laughs> graphic here on the I know. I'm sorry. We took it there. Um, okay. So the next trend in air quotes according to cocktails and cock talk is something called the dick and dash <laughs> been there done that well to me this would mean simply hooking up and once and never again but out. according to urban dictionary the dnd is the process of being in a relationship an actual relationship just for the sex and then dumping the person in a short amount of time anywhere from 24 hours to a week i feel like this is more applicable to straight people mm-hmm because we don't have to pretend. Oh no, it's to be in a relationship the, with you. We right. can just that's fellatio ho you at the gym, <laughs> right? Um, but no, this is something that is millennials are supposedly doing more and more now. They do the dick and dash, um, and that's basically all there was to yeah. that story. I mean, it's it's a thing. Uh, I've I've been there. I've been the dasher, and the dick, and the dick. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it all. The dasher and the dick. Meanwhile, a tweet went viral uh, right at the start of 2018. On New Year's Day, someone on Twitter named Lewis Staples tweeted the following, Being gay is exhausting. You have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of every quote, scene, and facial expression from every single female celebrity, pop culture icon, and fictional character over the last 20 years, and know exactly what to type to find them in GIF form. I'm so tired. That is so real. It's real. It is so real. I like, I'm not a reference queen. There are so many references that I don't know, get, whatever. And there is a, there's pressure to know it all. I'm going to ask John Epperson about this when we talk to him, because I feel like he's the ultimate at, at getting references and knowing references from the past. But I feel like a dinosaur whenever I'm with you, Ryan, and you show me like a GIF or, you know, a little video clip. I'm like, who is that? I don't know who any of these people are. And it feels like your generation, what are you, 26? Mm -hmm. It feels like you know everyone. You know every reality star, every singer, every actress. from my, from from now from my time or at least from the you last you know a lot of I know some old I, ones too. yeah I, I know some old stuff but there's there's a lot that I don't know but it's and exhausting okay. I know 90% of those gifs when people comment on Facebook I don't know, who, don't know. who it is I just think Insert, it's funny because of the I expression don't I don't know her <laughs> even that you had to explain to I me know. so uh, I, anyway people uh, identified with that tweet as did I um, this is a heartwarming story. In East Brunswick, New Jersey, a New Jersey surgeon's medical license has been temporarily suspended. Remember this later, temporarily suspended for allegedly reusing disposable anal catheters mm. on multiple patients. Mm. Attorney General Christopher Perino says that the uh, East Brunswick-based colon and rectal surgeon Sanjeev Patankar allegedly washed and reused catheters that were supposed to be one use only and then inserted them into patients during medical procedures. Hmm. The state board of medical examiners unanimously voted to suspend the doctor's license last week, saying he placed patients in clear and imminent danger. You know, you're not even supposed to share sex toys right. with your partners, let alone. And here we are. I, you know, I get freaked out when I go to the dentist. Right. That he didn't like sterilize all of those fucking utensils. Can you imagine? And how expensive could the anal catheter be? Not that expensive. If you're in East Brunswick, New Jersey, do not go to Dr. Sanjeev Patankar for your anal issues. He will <laughs> screw up your hole. And finally, before we uh, we talk to our in-studio guest, 
In Seattle, a family made an unusual discovery inside the bathroom of their apartment. A snake was hiding in their toilet. The family police... (laughs) The family called police after a child found the four-foot snake inside the apartment of the Lake City neighborhood of Seattle. Officers helped remove the snake and personnel with the Pacific Northwest Herpetological Society picked it up. Uh, It appeared to be a ball python, which is a non-venomous constrictor that is popular among reptile fans. Uh, Though rare, reports of snakes being discovered in toilets are not unheard of. A similar incident happened in Kansas in 2015, and it's also been reported in Thailand and Australia. That is my biggest nightmare come true. There's nothing scarier to me than that. Imagine if that went right up... I mean, it could. It could. You wouldn't even feel it. No. We're going to move now from the ridiculous to the sublime because our guest today is an icon. He's one of my idols and someone I was privileged enough to interview recently for the New York Times. He's best known for his alter ego, Lipsinka, but he is also a renowned actor, pianist, vocalist, composer, lyricist, and playwright. He's currently the guest curator for a film series and exhibit at New York's Museum of Modern Art entitled You Are Now One of Us. Please welcome to the ass, John Epperson. Come on, studio audience. Yay. There's the studio audience. Can we turn John's mic on too? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of show. I didn't know there were going to be so many F-bombs, or I wouldn't have brought my 19-year-old intern with me. <laughs> yes, you're exposing him to things he should never know I've about. I've been apologizing to him for the last three days for my own mouth, and you guys are so much <laughs> worse than me. We're just continuing the training. We are disgusting. We should say that John is here, with, uh, indeed, with a 19-year-old intern named Willem, I believe. Is that You can speak. I wasn't going to out Willem. I didn't know that he wanted to be. Oh, do you not want to be outed? No, this is fun. All right, welcome Willem and welcome okay. John. And yes, I apologize for the the filth that just We're preceded. Just nasty. <laughs> Unbelievable pubes being dried with blow dryers <laughs> and grinder and f bombs and steam reused catheters. I, I had no idea. Why is it called Derek and Romaine? By the way, Derek and Romaine are the they they have a show that's five days a week out of this studio. They're oh, like okay. the the main attraction, and I'm I sort see. of the little side piece. I see. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so this is the Adam Sank show. In fact, oh, it's but the Adam the, Sank show. All right. Hashtag and Ryan, it's nice to see you nice again. See we you only again. met once before for a, for a brief moment. Yeah, but it was, at, it was at, nice at, little at a chat party. We, had. we were all at the same Hanukkah party, right? With a lot of delicious treats. Uh, because John is as, as, as a well-known Jew. Um, John, I, <laughs> I just listed... A now you're going to confuse people because some people think my name is John Epperstein, but it's not as John Epperson. Yes, and for the record, you are in no way Jewish. I, 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 no, I live in New York. That's about it. That's about <laughs> as Jewy as it gets. John, I just listed about a half dozen occupations at which you have excelled. Of all of them, which is your favorite, would you say? Oh, well, mm, let me think about that for a minute, but I do want to clarify something. I am not the guest curator of the exhibition portion of the Club 57 event at the Museum of Modern Art. I am the guest curator of the film series. I knew I was going to get something I don't want to take any thunder away from Anne Magnuson, who is the guest curator of the exhibition part. I will, however, brag about myself and tell you it was I who instigated this whole event because I went to the museum and suggested that they do a film series, and they were interested, and I said, great, but let me go talk to Anne. I went to Anne, and Anne said, well, do you think it can also be an exhibition? And I said, well, it might be able to. Let me go ask the people at the museum, and they said yes. And so then I connected to the museum with Anne, and so Anne is the guest curator of the exhibition, and I am the guest curator of the film series. Excellent. Just to clarify that. Since you brought it up, Tell us, tell us about the film series. You are, you are now one of us at the MoMA. Well, Club 57 uh, was a legendary club at 57 St. Mark's Place in the East Village here in New York mm. from 1978 to 1983. And I first went there in 1979 because I'm a film buff and the Village Voice used to list all the old movies that were playing in town. 
and I saw a listing for Beyond the Valley of the Dolls at this place called Club 57 at 57 St. Mark's, and I had never heard of the place, but I wanted to see that movie. Sure. Because I loved Valley of the Dolls, and I had seen a couple of Russ Meyer movies, but I'd never seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So I went, and it was, sure enough, in the basement of a Polish church that's still standing there. And the audience just went crazy over the movie. They had obviously all seen it before, and they were young people my age, and they were so excited about this movie. And I thought, oh, I found my niche. You know, when when you come to New York, or when you, I don't know what it's like today, but when I came to New York in 78, people were still saying, if you go to New York and you wait long enough, you'll find your niche, right? right. I don't know if people still say that. You're 19. Do you think they still say that? I have no idea. You don't know. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but the internet exists now, so you can find anything you want on Amazon. You know? Absolutely. So, or Grindr. Or, 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 <laughs> or that, yes. Um, so I thought, oh, I found my niche. And so... They showed movies at Clip 57 all the time. I saw Doris Day Night there. I saw Suspiria there for the first time. Do you know that movie, no. Suspiria? It's an Italian horror film with Jessica Harper. You know who Jessica Harper is? No. No. <laughs> well, she was a... This 70s. is why we need you she, here, John. She was in the Woody Allen movie Stardust Memories. Have yes, you ever seen I do that? know that. Okay. Yes. She's basically the female lead of that. She was also in Phantom of the Paradise by Brian De Palma. She was the female lead in that. No, it doesn't Nothing. mean anything to you. No. Well, you've got something to live for. <laughs> <laughs> and, but all of these films all were these sort of movies, off the beaten and, path, right? Yes, and the first time I ever saw Ed Wood's Plan 9 from Outer Space, that which, I know. Is, which is considered the worst movie ever made, was at Club 57, because they had a monster movie club every Tuesday night. So I went to the museum and I said, what about doing a series that would be all movies that were shown at Club 57? And uh, they got really excited about that. So all of the m movies that we are showing now at the Museum of Modern Art are movies that were shown at Club 57. And some of them, I, I imagine if the filmmakers are still living, they're probably thrilled that their film is being you know, exhibited at, at the MoMA of all places. It's huge. I don't know if... In, well, there, there's actually three film series in this event. I only have to do with the one called You Are Now One of Us, which is movies that were shown at the club. Mm. They are showing other movies that were made in the East Village around that time, from 78 to 83. Right. And a lot of those filmmakers are alive, and I think they are excited that the Museum of Modern Art, and not just the filmmakers, but the artists who are in the exhibition are finally... You know, they've realized their dream. They're in the Museum of Modern Art, and a lot of them are still alive. Keith Haring, who had his first show ever at Club 57, is obviously not alive, but he is well represented in the show. And the Keith Haring Foundation helped finance this whole Club 57 event at the museum. And this is running through February, correct? Well, the film series runs through February, and the exhibition runs through March. Excellent. So and the reason it's called You Are Now One of Us, I always explain when I introduce movies at the museum, it, th that sentence, You Are Now One of Us, sounds like a line from an old 50s science fiction horror movie, yes. which they showed a lot of, you know, when the... When the alien zaps the Earth creature with the ray gun and says, "You are now one of us." Right. Well, and and that's a, a partially a famous line from Freaks. And it's a variation of that. Right. Yes. Um, I think they just say one, one of, of us, us. One, one of us. us. And yeah. Freaks was shown at Club Fifty Seven. Mm -hmm. But the real reason it's called "You are now one of us" is because in 1994, eleven years after Club Fifty Seven had closed. I was speaking to Scott Whitman, who wrote the lyrics for the Broadway show Hairspray. Sure. Um, and when this airs a week from today, right? Yes. His Broadway show, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, is closing a week from today. Right. So he's a representative on Broadway right now. But in 94, I said to Scott, I said, Scott, do you remember at Club 57 when they would show... Uh, 16 millimeter. They only had one projector, as a 16 millimeter projector. They would show 16 millimeter all night of cartoons. <laughs> I said, now in 1994, 
on there's something called the Cartoon Network that is showing cartoons 24-7. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you remember that there was also nights at Club 57 where they showed 16 millimeter of old sitcoms like the Donna Reed show and the Dobie Gillis show? And I said, and now there's something called Nick at Night. And they're showing the Donna Reed show practically 24 hours a day, seven right. days a week. And I said, do you remember also when they showed the old horror movies and the audience would yield back at the screen? Well, now in 1994, there's something called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Right. And there's two puppets and a man and they're yelling back at the screen. I said, are you also aware that now in 1994, the Disney company has made a movie called Ed Wood about Ed Wood, who directed Plan 9 from Outer Space? And they showed Ed Wood movies at Club 57. And Scott, with some bitterness, said to me, yeah, now the whole world is just one big Club 57. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's you, another reason it's called you, you Are Now One of Us, because we actually started all these right, things. Right, you, you lose the exclusivity when things become mainstream. And that, they get watered down. You're no yes. longer part of this secret club. Yes, it was taken away from us. John, I want to... Um, move into Lipsinka for a bit. And some of these are questions that I've asked you previously for the times, but for the uh, for the benefit of our listeners, where did Lipsinka come from and how did she evolve? You want a psychological answer? I any answer will do. <laughs> I didn't answer I didn't answer your first question by the way when you at no, the beginning do you of want the interview. To? You Fa- know, favorite I can't, profession. You know, I can't do favorites. I love to play the piano. I I have played the piano professionally at the ballet, which after a while didn't fulfill me emotionally because that job has a kind of low ceiling to yeah. it. Acting and and being Lipsinka has a lot more emotional fulfillment for me. You also have to put up with a lot more BS. I'm saying BS since Willem is here. Yes. And since my innocent, mother my mother might be Willem. <laughs> God, I hope your mother's not listening to the first part anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, she doesn't have a computer. She does have a, a phone that connects to the Internet, but she'll never know about it. Uh, where did Lipsinka come from? Mm. You know, I had a great desire to be an actor, but I had no training. I had a great deal of fear. Fear was taught to me by the world from a very early age. And I was afraid to go to auditions. I was uh, afraid to expose myself. So uh, I realized that I could make another character and hide behind other people's voices and even put a mask of makeup on my face that, and the world couldn't see me. And so I could hide behind that and it made me less frightened. The problem with that is that it became successful and people thought I couldn't do anything else. Right. Mm. And when I was doing my first off-Broadway show in 88, 89, and agents would come and they would say, well, you're really talented, but we don't know what to do, do with you. And they didn't, partly because they lacked imagination, but also because it was so strange to them, you know, they couldn't figure out what do you do with this guy and can he do anything else? And your first show, if I'm not wrong, was Dial M for Model? No, that actually was not a lip sync show. Correct. But that, that wasn't that the first thing that you created as far as a show? No. Um, I did a, sh- a musical a year before that called Ballet of the Dolls. Ballet of the Dolls. Not to be confused with Valley of the Dolls. Right. Ballet of the Dolls, which was a parody of Valley of the Dolls and the ballet world, which I was immersed in at the time because that was my day job. As the pianist mm-hmm. for... At uh, American Ballet Theater. Yes. Yeah. So in creating Lip Sinka, you clearly had inspirations, and I've heard you say that one of them was Dolores Gray. Oh, yeah. Well, probably the biggest inspiration. Now, I didn't know who Dolores Gray was until I knew who you were and yeah. knew who Lip Sinka was, and then I sort of did a little research. We should know Dolores Gray, Ryan, because she was a Tony winner mm. uh, win. in her day for a show that ran for six performances. Am <laughs> yeah. I right, John? Wow. Very short run, yes. She won Best Actress. It was called... In a musical. What was it called? Carnival in Flanders. And if you look at Dolores Gray, I if I look at her, I definitely see 
sort of the genesis of Lipsinka, the the posing and the facial uh, expressions. What, what did what did Dolores Gray mean to you, and when did you sort of discover her? I discovered her here in New York. I forget what year it was, but it had to have been eighty two or earlier. Um, there used to be a revival movie house near Lincoln Center called the Regency that showed nothing but old movies, and it was practically my temple. I was They showed a different double bill every two days, and so I was always there because I love movies. And I went to see a movie with Gene Kelly and Sid Charisse. I knew their names. And it, the movie was called It's Always Fair Weather, and then this blonde suddenly appeared named Dolores Gray, and she was a knockout, a fantastic singer and a performing style that I had never quite seen before, a very 1950s performing style, very glamorous, a little over the top. And I thought to myself, well, gee, there are drag, you know, I've been trying to figure out what I could do as a drag performer, and I thought, well, there are drag performers who impersonate Barbara Streisand, or they impersonate Liza Minnelli or Judy Garland, but no one ever impersonates someone that the audience isn't overly familiar with. Right. Mm-hmm. So I thought, what if I base a character on this woman who I've just seen for the first time? And and so, okay, so you get the inspiration, and then at what point do you decide, okay, I'm going to take you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour's worth of dialogue and edit it all together and memorize it? Because I don't <laughs> think anyone did that before you. No, I don't think they did. Are they doing it now? Is anyone else doing I, it I now? I see drag queens doing bits. Like, they'll, bits. they'll do, like, a two- or three-minute um, uh, sort of a mega mix. It's mm. like, a, it's like um, fusing together... Uh, the song and then dialogue. That's a mashup. Yeah, it's exactly what you what you always it's, did. It's but obviously inspired by me. Yes, you? wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. But, it, but it's short, short bits. I don't. I, I've never seen anyone do a, a full hour of that the way that. No. that but Lipsinka if you don't does. have that included in your set, then it's kind of like you know you're not up to par with the. Right. It's like the the the, the standard is to do like a little bit of dialogue. <laughs> you set the standard. Well. Willem has just started working for me on Thursday. That's that's my young intern who's sitting right here for your radio audience. And Willem has done something wonderful for me. I haven't posted anything on YouTube for quite a while. But he started working with me on Thursday, which was the day of the storm. He showed up. In spite of the storm, he showed up. And we got out this... I had some stuff digitized on an external hard drive. And we got it onto YouTube, thanks to Willem. He edited it. He helped me put the credits on it. And and this goes back how many years? It was an, it's a clip from 1987. Oh, so my God. I'm I, so excited. As That's soon awesome. as it was ready that evening, I posted it on Facebook. You didn't see it on Facebook? No. no. I got to look. That's like the holy grail and for this, Lipsinka fans. And this guy picked it up on his Facebook page, and he said, this is modern drag lip-syncing and Lipsinka being created before your very eyes. Wow. And I agree with him. And where was that performance? It was in the basement at La Mama on East 4th Street. Mm. Oh. Now the the thing I always show people when I whenever I you know meet someone who has not heard of you, which is not very often, I go, "Okay, you have to watch this." And the clip I always show, which has been on YouTube probably for 20 years, is you uh, doing the telephone bit. Oh, at so at Boy Bar. Oh, yeah. I didn't post that. And I've, I've never looked at it either. It's amazing. it's amazing. You need to watch it. You come out. I mean, I don't need to tell you, you know, this. You know what you did. I don't watch it because I look so skinny. You look amazing. I look unhealthy. And it was a very unhappy period in my life. And so I really? don't watch it. Yeah. How come? L'amour, l'amour, toujours l'amour. <laughs> <laughs> you had man man problems. Yeah problems with the means well you you couldn't tell from watching you it's a really a tour de force you come out and i and also i've seen the clip of you doing a modified version of it on the joan rivers show um but but you you come out to uh the song from applause yeah. uh the lauren but alive song. Yeah. yeah and then in the middle of the song the phone starts to ring and Lipsinka transitions into this mega mix of movie clips and for me i don't even know 
90% of where the clips came from. I don't, I don't have that kind of uh, aficionado's brain um, for old movies, but it's hilarious. And the facial expressions and the posing and just it's so on point. You don't miss a single beat. So when you were preparing that and when you prepare any of your performances, how long does it take you to memorize every single one of those words? You're not the first person who's asked, and I, and I always give the same answer. I don't know. Uh, sitting in the studio, listening to it over and over again, what you have to do when it's being edited, is a, a period of time where it starts to sink into your head almost by osmosis. You know, I'm, I'm not thinking about lip-syncing it at that point. I'm just thinking about getting the recording made, but because you have to hear it over and over and over again... By the time I get the whole thing done and I start learning it at home, I already know a lot of it because I've had to listen to it so many times. By the way, that clip from the boy bar, I would, I, like I said, I can't look at it because I think I look too skinny, way too unhealthy. And uh, I, I think whatever I was going through at that time contributed to the fact that I was so thin, as well as my macrobiotic diet. But I was so skinny then that I think a rumor started at that time that I had HIV AIDS. Yeah. As many people did at that time. Yeah. But I actually didn't have it. Thank I just, God. I just looked like I did. I was so thin. Well, that's what you want. You don't want to have AIDS. You just want to look <laughs> like you do so you can fit into the outfits. No, that's terrible. John, uh, the other clip of you that, that I love watching over and over again is at Wigstock when you're doing... Um, you're doing Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford in Mommy Dearest, but you're doing it as a musical number with a dwarf dressed as Barbara, the reporter. You know what I'm talking about, right? I know, yes. And, but, and here's where I, I, I do sometimes have a good ear. It's not, uh, it, the, the dialogue is not from the movie. It's it been re-recorded. It's the dialogue, but it's not the soundtrack. It's Correct. It's the same words. So what, what, what happened? Were you not, was there no clearance to use that? And who recorded those words? Um, well, in other words, if you don't know what I'm talking about, no, I, I, when, no, no, I, no, I know the, you the do, audience. but I'm telling the audience. There's a, there's the, um, the iconic scene from Mommy Dearest when um, Joan Crawford is basically beating Christina, her daughter, and Barbara, this sort of gray-haired, schlumpy reporter, comes running in from Red Book says, magazine. From Red Book, and says, <laughs> "Joan, what are you doing?" And and Ray Dunaway says. Barbara, please, please, Barbara. If you need anything, can we'll get it for you? I'm sure I don't have it exactly. And so, Lipsinka does this as a musical number, and there's snippets of dialogue woven into the song. And what's what's the song, by the way? I don't remember. It's that. Um, it's the uh, but alive. The same one from yes. Applause. Yes. <laughs> but it's but it's not that the actual dialogue from the movie is what I'm saying. It was re-recorded. It's not Faye Dunaway's it's not voice. Faye Dunaway. It's the dialogue, but it's not. It's right. re-recorded. Yes. They got Paramount Pictures to agree to let them use the dialogue, but Paramount was reluctant to let them use Faye Dunaway's voice. And that could be because um, Faye Dunaway had around that time been fired from the Broadway musical Sunset Boulevard, you know? Yes. She was in rehearsals mm -hmm. for that, and she never did it. And that, of course, people were scratching their heads about that, thinking, why would they hire her since she's not a singer? But she was Didn't hired. Didn't stop going close. Well, she was hired, <laughs> okay. and she was in rehearsal, and then she was fired. So I think Paramount was afraid that Faye was in a litigious mood. Yeah. And so they said, you can use the dialogue from the script, but you have to record it with someone else. Do you remember who the voice was? Yes, the voice was, um, oh, isn't it terrible? She's Linda Chapman's girlfriend. Mm. It's terrific. It's available on YouTube Ill illegally, I'm sure, because Wigstock, you know, doesn't get any money from that. But uh, but it's a wonderful um, bit that I love watching. But here's the thing, Adam. When she re-recorded it, I wasn't in the room with her. And to my eye, her words don't match my lips. 
So when I see it, it looks like I'm lip syncing badly. Hmm. I also wonder how much of that is just bad editing. You know, if if the if the editing is one millisecond well, I, off, I, that, I wasn't there for that either. Right. No. But I actually have the footage. It, it's private. I guess I can't use it, but I have it on VHS of me performing to the actual soundtrack. It's classic. To me, the two highlights of that movie are uh, you performing that and then Lee Bowery coming out and giving birth to the bald <laughs> lesbian. Willem, have you seen Wigstock? I haven't, no. Absolutely must. It's on your list of, of must films. Um, the thing, you, you used the word dwarf earlier, and of course that's the not politically correct. Yes, I should have said little, should, little person. But the funny thing about his appearance in, the, in that show is that when we performed it live, because he was so short, the audience couldn't see him at first. And it wasn't until the four dancers in the number with me at one point lifted him up that the live crowd could see (laughs) who it was. And they went crazy when they saw that it was Barbara Bennett as a person who was only about two feet tall. Yeah, like a two-foot-tall Barbara Bennett. (laughs) It, it's really iconic. But, but in the movie, they had a crane, and so you can see him from, from the his get-go. entrance because they had a nice crane. But the live <laughs> audience couldn't see him for about a, sixty seconds. He, he's got a little notepad, and he's you know sort of <laughs> writing down everything that that Joan says. Um, we just have a few minutes left, John, and I, I need to play with you our game that we play with every guest. It's called Ask Me No Questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. I have a feeling you're going to ask me questions. I'm going to ask you some <laughs> questions, and you just answer off the top of your head. Who was the greatest film actress of all time? Off the top of my head, uh, Greta Garbo. What's the one food you will never put in your mouth? Oh, uh, dog meat. <laughs> <laughs> From an actual dog. Yeah. Who are your favorite female impersonators, past or present? Charles Pierce, T.C. Jones... Arthur Blake, Lynn Carter, Craig Russell. They're all dead, so I'm off the hook. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of music do you listen to when you're alone? I listen to classical music. Who's your favorite? Your favorite composer? Ravel. Ravel. Mm. I could get that. That's sort of dramatic, the whole bolero thing. Do you often walk around the apartment in a caftan listening to Bolero? No, Bolero has actually been overdone. I like Daphnis and Chloe. Of course you do. (laughs) You would never like the one that's popular in mainstream. (laughs) Um, Do you cook? And if so, what's your signature dish? Oh, Willem and I had it the other day. A a mixture of rice and chicken sausage and vegetables. Interesting. Interesting. I could only eat the rice and the vegetables now that I'm vegan, but uh, huh. how was it, Will? It was delicious. You liked it? Mm-hmm. So is, is he cooking for you on the regular? Is that part of the uh, one of the fringe benefits of the internship? Every once in a while. <coughs> Are you living there? No, no. I'm living with my sister in Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, um, John, what is the... Uh, oh, sorry. This is a follow-up to that last question. Is it true that revenge is a dish best served cold? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know either. It just seemed... Yes, queen! Thank you. It just seemed like a fun question. What was the last Broadway musical that you saw? Hello, Dolly. Oh, With Bette? Amazing. Yes. What'd you think? Loved it. Loved it so much. I got her house seats. Oh, wow. And she had me backstage afterwards. And we had champagne. And she said to me, she said, I think Thornton Wilder may have been a socialist. <laughs> so I thought about that, and I, I realized she probably was right because Dolly says I'm going to take Horace Vandergelder's money and I'm going to spread it around like manure, right? right? And Horace Vandergelder is a capitalist, wants to say he wants to conserve every penny. But then they get married, so I think the show is about capitalism and socialism finding a way to work together. Interesting. Hmm. That is interesting, huh? I never thought of Dolly in, in you know, such an in-depth <clears throat> analysis. Last question, one year from today, will Donald Trump still be president? Well, if he is, we'll still be laughing. And crying. And crying. At the same time. Cringing. And finally, would, uh, would Willem like to make out with our intern, JB, as a finale to our show? No, just kidding. That's not appropriate. <laughs> jo- John Epperson. Where's uh, your intern? Uh, this is JB right oh, here. JB is your intern. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, I am not intern anymore. 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's associate producer. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for correcting then me. I Willem fucked up. Can, Willem cannot make out with him. John Epperson, <laughs> you can uh, find all things Lipsinka at www.lipsinka.com, on facebook.com slash Lipsinka. Thank you so much for being here. Next week, my celebrity co-host will be Scott Lowell from Queer as Folk. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Thank you, Ryan Frostig, for co-hosting this last two weeks. And again, thank you, John, so much for coming in. Thank you, guys. That was fun. And thank you, Willem. Yes, thank you, Willem. Keep listening to the ass, everyone.